2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I always have a seminar coming up. Got one coming up. You can sign up at Rob Black's show. Use the code radio25 to get in for free. I focus heavily on the peninsula, because that's where a lot of people live. And that's funny, because that plays into... That's where a lot of jobs are, which plays into... That's where a lot of money is, which plays into... That's where a lot of traffic is, which plays into... That's why real estate keeps going up because people don't like traffic. So some of this does blend together. Monday was like the good old days. Do you ever watch for trends in the market? Things that go up, things that go down? I do. Um, One of the things I always tell people is, you know, the first Friday of every month is super important because it sets up the jobs market. And the jobs market sets up a lot of everything else, whether it be wage inflation, whether it be consumer consumption, whether it be housing, autos. There's a lot to be said in the jobs report. So one of the things that I, I kind of want to throw out right now is some of the basic ideas of you know financial planning, earning money, saving money, investing money. Uh, there's lots of different ways to play this game. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great, how are you? Great, you sound happy. (laughs) I am happy. So the National Tooth Fairy payout, what do you think the National Tooth Fairy payout is on a tooth right now?
3: Oh boy, I don't know, 13 years from having, well, I guess 10 years from having done that, I don't know, 5 bucks, 10
2: bucks? $4.13. Not a lot of inflation going on there, if you know what I'm saying.
3: I don't know, I remember getting like, quarters for my my tooth
2: yeah i kind of messed up the first time it happened i forgot because i don't use cash anymore so i put a 20 under my kids pillow (laughs) not knowing that like that's going to be expected from forevermore
3: i only could have put a bitcoin certificate or a fake Uh, bitcoin replication
2: so what's your take on Bitcoin now? Because now that some some of the luster has been taken off, uh, I'm seeing it's really a millennial thing. I'm getting a lot of young people asking about Bitcoin. I'm seeing a lot of young people talking about Bitcoin. I'm overhearing conversations.
3: Well, the thing that frustrates me the most is, the, oh, the whole banking industry is going to be you know, destroyed by Bitcoin. And, oh, okay, you're going to go get a 30-year mortgage from a Bitcoin? Um, so, I mean, it's a store of value until people agree that it's not anymore. And at some point, if it ever anywhere near back to the 20000 that it got to, um, it really depends on currency. You know, people wind out of their existing currency into other cryptocurrencies for it to continue to go up. Otherwise, it just becomes a store of value or another currency. Um, I mean, I don't think they're ever going away. I mean, the blockchain's definitely never going away. So I, I kind of look at it as Vegas as money. But I think, Rob, the thing that annoys me the most is the pump-and-dump strategies that are going on. Even if when Facebook blocked the ads, you still see tons of people trying to pump up new ones and get other people to get into it, and then they sell. I mean, it's just that age-old deal on Wall Street that used to occur with penny stocks.
2: Yeah. It is kind of funny because what goes around keeps going around. So we have a big retirement income strategy session coming up Thursday, the 8th. That's right around the corner. It's going to be a good event. Crown Plaza, um, Redwood Shores, technically, but San Mateo right off 92. Super easy to find, super easy to get to, especially if you work at Visa. It's right there. Um, How has planning income in retirement changed with the recent tax cuts?
3: We have to get even a little bit more surgical on the tax side now because it's been a big tax cut, and a lot of people, as we've talked about on the show already, that assumed, oh, my gosh, it's just horrible for me in the state of California because now I don't get to deduct more than $10,000 of my state and local taxes off my federal return. Um, But most, a lot of people that can afford to retire in the Bay Area were paying AMT anyway, so they're already losing that deduction, and the AMT credit's gone way up. So there's kind of some pushes and pulls on on taxes, but the biggest issue is that standard deduction went up, and the 15% bracket became the 12% bracket. all the brackets were reduced. And when I look at this, and I look at a tax cut that we received rather than a tax simplification, and the fact that you know we're not growing at 4 or 5% right now in the economy, I would say enjoy these tax cuts while you can, because I think that they would be higher in 10, 15 years from now. So that means, especially from the date of retirement to age 69, like we've talked about before, really focus on how much can you get out of your IRAs to live off of them at 12% or convert them into Roth IRAs at your existing bracket. So have a tighter relationship with your planner and your CPA to help figure that out. You might have, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 left at your existing bracket, before the end of the year. So you convert that amount into a Roth IRA. And all of a sudden you go from a taxable account in an IRA that forces you to pull money out at 70 and a half. by the time you're 80, it's a bunch of money that you're having to pay taxes on. And you convert all that money into a tax-free account that you never pay taxes on. Your kids will never pay taxes on it. So that's really important going forward, as well as younger people Um, foregoing the immediate tax gratification of the the pre-tax 401k and look really closely at whether or not it makes sense for you to do a Roth 401k because most companies offer a Roth 401k now.
2: That's excellent. I like the idea of Roths. Um, I like the idea of options, and uh, we're getting more and more of them. Moving right along, though, has the 2017 tax cut changed the way we save for retirement?
3: I think the biggest one will be self-employed people. And the reason why is because we have all these complicated um, new deductions. And all of these miscellaneous itemized deductions, gone. But business owners have potentially a 20% of net income deduction on the return. It depends on what type of business that they're in. And it depends on what their current taxable income is. So self-employed people that are really trying to save money for retirement and reduce their taxes, if they have other assets to live off of, they can combine 401ks and defined benefit plans and defer a ton like well over a hundred thousand dollars of their current income from their work into a pre-tax account to get their taxable income low enough to get these new deductions but they might say well i can't afford to put that much away i'm living off of it okay well if you have other assets you can live off of other investments outside of retirement accounts in the meantime that might work. So there's going to be again a lot of <laughs> a lot of real detailed tax planning for people, especially self-employed and people that own real estate.
2: Sounds good. Again as we wrap up uh we have a big event coming up March 8th 6:30 to 8:30 CFP Chad Burton Income and Retirement Wealth Preservation Retirement Strategies Current Market Outlook and much much more. Um, we are almost out of time, but that's coming up. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25. We've finally seen a jump in rates. Has this helped retirees yet with savings?
3: Well, I think bonds are more attractive than they were a year ago. That's for sure. The rates are a little bit higher, and you've seen a jump in rates big time. you have also seen a little bit of increase in inflation, so it's been offset. I would just say make sure you get rid of you know any debt that's increasing with rates um, based on prime and things like that, especially as you go into retirement.
2: Adjustable Morgan, just keep an eyeball on them. CFP Chad Burton, you can catch him here, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., Tuesdays and Wednesdays, as well as Fridays. He's got scheduled Thursday and Friday this week. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. The event's coming up March 8th. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25.
3: and do what you say
1: we're making financial sense of your portfolio now back to rob black and your money on AM 1220, KDO double. Stock talk with Rob Black. Black. So I feel, but I don't know what it
2: is. So I was, but i bit I don't need. So I'm Rob Black talking money invested in more. Talking stock talk. Intel shares. Have been quite interesting this year. There's a company called City Research. Kind of think of Citibank. Uh, they reiterated its buy rating for Intel shares. They're making the stock a top pick, predicting the company will report profits above expectations this year. They think Intel is the only semiconductor stock with both poor sentiment and substantial upside to consensus estimates, thus creating a bit of a value. They're moving it up from their number three to the number one in company rankings. They rank stocks and they go, okay, it's not well-liked. That's a good thing because they could become well-liked. Their estimates look a little low. And from what we've seen in other trends outside, maybe we could bump those uh, estimates up a little bit. So Citibank thinks the company's going to rise due to strong chip sales to companies, not necessarily to consumers. There was a day back in the '90s and 2000s when, you know, the consumer computer was going from four thousand dollars to thirty five hundred to get a PC to three thousand. The sub three thousand became the sub two thousand five hundred. Sub two thousand five hundred became two thousand, and there was a big thing of you know when do we break a thousand? Because that's when companies like Intel and Microsoft, when you know, it's tougher for them to justify premium pricing. It's tougher for them to pull off um, the higher end, especially when computers can do basically anything that you need, basically anytime time you need them to. But the analyst says, let's put a $58 price target on shares of Intel. Talked a little bit on video, Cisco and Ladova, saying that they all will benefit too from the business environment that's strong. So kind of helping you build kind of a case here. They think the recovery in the enterprise end market will drive consensus estimates higher on Intel as the enterprise end market is over 50% of Intel sales at this point in time. They think there will be some increased spending from tax reform. So you continue to hear that. Again, they had a $58 price target on it. When you take a look at Intel, you'd notice that they're a hardware company, a semiconductor company, right? So you'd want to compare them with other semiconductors on some levels. You used to compare them directly with AMD and company Cyrix many, many, many years ago. Um, but it's tough to say who do you compare them with now, because are they mobile play? Not as much. So some of the enterprise players are, are who you're looking at, <clears throat> but they may not be semiconductor companies, so it's tough to say what the price-sales ratio is. So remember the analysts had a $58 price target on it? The stock's currently right around 47 Taking a look at their dividend yield, it yields about two point five percent. So you've got a hundred dollars of it, and you get two dollars and fifty cents per year. That's the idea. Um, the P/E ratio looks a little high for this year, and uh, sitting at twenty four times earnings, and that's a big concern because the market's you know probably around eighteen times on the S P five hundred, and we think the market's a little oversold, overbought, overvalued. So, but see, then you look at Intel's numbers for next year and you see that they're trading in 13 times P, which is a little bit below the market. So it doesn't seem like Citibank is going too crazy out on the limb talking about Intel being a stock that has some upside. So that's out there, right? Uh, another big story in the news today is Comcast is challenging Fox. Um, with a $31 billion offer to buy broadcasting group Sky. So, NBC Universal owner Comcast has announced a $22 billion bid for Sky, signaling for higher than Fox's offer for the European pay TV group. Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox has already agreed on a deal to buy 61% of the UK based broadcasting group it's not currently owned. So, a little bit of um, bidding wars. So, Comcast offering a cash deal. And it's uh, been quite a consistent behavior. So a lot of people like it a lot. I like it a lot. So media assets, right? You're going to hear a little bit more about that through the, um, through the years of, you know. I saw in a research report that Netflix is already up 45% this year. I'm like, oh, is it really? It's up 45% this year. And the analyst said, just go ahead and buy it. Because it's all about media assets. Netflix shares are roaring in 2018. And one analyst, Craig Uber of Uber Research Partners, says uh, he thinks it's going to continue roaring for the rest of the year. Netflix is well positioned in the international market for video streaming, which will expand significantly. Netflix is also planning incremental price increases this year, which Uber believes will help increase revenue. Free cash flow may not be positive until 2022, but the stock is a good long-term bet. Good subscription business model, right? And where the companies like um, ABC, NBC, CBS, the media companies, they didn't think globally. And a lot of their assets they've licensed, unlike Netflix. So Time Warner's got this awesome thing called HBO, but they've made deals that that, that take away its power in foreign markets. It takes away its flex. So... 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We're talking stock right now. Self-proclaimed Bitcoin creator sued for allegedly stealing $5 billion worth of crypto. You ever wonder when, when is enough enough, right? It's a good question. At what point do you have enough? I think I've hit that in my retirement assets, and I'm going to start taking my foot off the gas everyone should have a number in their head that they think is the right number and they should start taking their foot off the gas. Craig Wright is being sued over the rights of $5 billion worth of Bitcoin and other assets. Um, So this guy, Craig Wright, claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the mysterious inventor behind Bitcoin. Um, But this guy, Wright allegedly created contracts fraudulently to lay claim to Bitcoin's mind by former business partner Dave Kleiman. So... When is enough enough? $5 billion in theft. Now, I'm just saying Bitcoin is still very, very much so a little bit of wild, wild west. And um, you need to be careful. So there's many, many forms of it right now. And it's like, I kind of think it's like the vape pen market. Where when vape pens came out, everyone's like, oh, you know, let's get the cherry flavor. Oh, let's get this. Or like, it was kind of a crazy thing about it. And, you know, people were starting vape pen businesses and illegal vapes and stuff like that. And uh, it just seemed like a mess. And I'm glad I never took the time to like learn about it. But um, yeah, so Bitcoin, um, there's YouTube videos out there on it. And you could learn all about it. And in one case, a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old boy is teaching you about Bitcoin. What does that tell you? Good things or bad things? Take a break here. I'm Rob Black, Talking Stocks. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. do to forget, a big seminar coming up in March. In San Mateo, in Foster City, March 8th. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use code radio25 to get in for free.
3: Can you say? Can you say Can you say my hell? Can you say? Can you say Can you say my
1: Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW.
4: It's
2: my favorite segment of the week. It's the segment when I get to talk to Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Briefing.com, a great source of non-biased domestic and international market information, news, insights, and just a lot of good stuff there on Financially Speaking. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
4: Hey Rob. I'm doing well. It's nice to speak to you again.
2: Yeah, yeah. I had Ski Week last week. Do you, do you all have Ski Weeks out in Chicago? Uh,
4: well, not out of Chicago. you got to go up to Wisconsin <laughs> if you want to get that okay. done. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I haven't taken many of those recently myself.
2: Our, our school system is so broke here. They, they give the kids a week off for school, and they call it Ski Week. And it's just another way of saying we don't want to pay the teachers that week and babysit your kids. So, anyway, right. I'm digressing. <laughs> Stock market. What do you think about this recovery? We've recovered more than 50% of the big dramatic pullback in February. Too soon, too fast, or just about right?
4: Yeah, you know, that's a, it is a hard question to answer. Um, it's consistent, I think, we, you know, obviously, with what we've seen uh, over the years, where the market has shown a propensity to to bounce back quickly from, from any type of sell-off, uh, let alone a, a 10%-plus correction. And, you know, and I think what has transpired here is that you've had a uh, quite a tailwind from you know corporations coming back into the market and repurchasing their shares uh, after being blacked out from doing that during the earnings reporting period. Um, you know, you've also had a little bit of a tempering of the move in long-term rates, uh, and so uh, it kind of has gotten people reoriented around the idea that yes, rates are up, but. All things considered, they're still very low, historically speaking. And then you juxtapose that with extremely strong earnings growth. And you have a market that's willing to uh, take a step back and, and recognize that that sell-off we saw was a volatility event, uh, and largely technically driven, too. So uh, so now, with a ability to refocus on a pretty encouraging fundamental picture, you've seen the market take advantage of that and buyers be opportunistic and in buying into that dip, and therefore you've got a, a nice move back up here. Um, now, having said all that, I do think that the market has been made aware that we're nearing or we're at some really important inflection points that will make the road ahead uh, more challenging uh, and which are making it known that the easy money, so to speak, has definitely been made in this, you know, uh, recovery rally. And I'm not speaking just of what we've seen over the last few weeks. I'm talking about what we've seen over the last, you know, eight years, basically. So, um, so the road ahead will be a little bit more more challenging as it relates to multiple expansion as interest rates move up, uh, and uh, and then the returns you're likely to see on uh, on stock prices.
2: I once had an economist on the air tell me that he thinks the Federal Reserve has caused every major recession in modern times. Um, I'm not asking you for the same perspective, but what are your thoughts about how much we're paying attention to the Federal Reserve this year and the 10-year Treasury? And Are we micromanaging? Or are, we, are we right to be worried? Are we doing the appropriate due diligence? What are your thoughts on the Federal Reserve and how we should be playing it?
4: Yeah, well, that is one of the and probably hmm. the uh, key inflection points in the market. Um, You know, we've gotten accustomed to seeing interest rates remaining low for so long, and we've gotten accustomed to seeing the Fed uh, basically provide a security blanket for the market for some time now. And and the Federal Reserve is sounding more and more confident about its desire to uh, to raise interest rates, albeit gradually, Um, but the the message to the market right now is that, um, you know, Half of least resistance at this juncture certainly appears to be the upside with respect to what the Fed's going to do with interest rate policy, and uh, and that's that's an important component because you also have uh, the market staring at. Um, rising inflation expectations, uh, and you've had such a long period of low and stable inflation, that there are concerns that the fiscal stimulus plan and that the tight labor markets are going to lead to a pickup in inflation, um, you know, relatively soon here. And so if that's the case, you get these concerns about the Fed potentially being behind the curve. And if the Fed is ultimately found to be behind the curve, then maybe it needs to get more aggressive with its monetary policy, and then that creates all sorts of problems usually for the market and the economy. So, uh, so it's definitely you know a, a key point of interest here, and uh, there isn't much that's going to happen in 2018 that isn't going to revolve around the Federal Reserve itself or concerns at least related to what the Federal Reserve might do.
2: It's fascinating that you say that because uh, I remember just like two years ago, I was so comfortable with super low interest rates. I started saying it's the new norm, and now it's like it's getting back to historical averages. And it's we do change our or we do change our mind or we do evolve with the times. Um, I think I'm saying the right things there. I'm not 100 percent positive. Um, Big boys well, like Apple and JP. Oh, go ahead.
4: Well, I was gonna say you know you know when things have been one way for a really long time, you know it's easy for complacency to set in. And when, uh, when things change abruptly, uh, that's when you get these volatility events. And, and that's really what we're driving at is, is that, you know, the market has grown accustomed to seeing uh, so many important influences be one way for such an extended period of time, i.e., low volatility, low interest rates, a Federal Reserve that is you know, certainly very supportive of assets. You know inflation uh, and those things seem to be at a point now where they're they're likely to change and not be as uh, um, as agreeable or uh, as as the market has seen over the last several years and therefore that's why you know I alluded to. Top of the interview, that you're going to see uh, it more challenging to achieve multiple expansion in that type of environment as we deal with the change. And it's, and again, it's important to note that you know interest rates again they're not high on a nominal or real basis in a historic sense. But the fact is is that the directionally, the, you can see the change happening, and the question will be how quickly that. Adjustment takes place, and that's going to be the uh, you know the trigger for volatility. But something that happens you know quite quite rapidly. Uh, but if it trends higher in a manageable fashion, you know stock prices and the stock market can, can handle that a little bit better here because you have such strong underlying earnings growth going on right now.
2: It's good times. It's good times right now. But I worry about the future because. Right now they're saying the tax cuts are good for the market and I know that most of the tax cuts don't last forever so down the road when they go back to their place maybe they'll be bad for the market but maybe that'll never happen maybe we'll keep them low like it's you can speculate yourself into to craziness in this current market but let's talk about some of the big boys um we've got leadership from tech financial and consumer discretionary Apple, JP Morgan Chase and Amazon um, the big boys are really they've been a good safe bet someone there's an article today in the paper about uh netflix is up 45 just buy it you're like whoa that's kind of scary but so far that's been advice that's worked right
4: well there's no question uh that it, that it seems to have worked for anyone embracing that that approach um in that you know that's really going to boil down to what you know. An individual investor's risk tolerances are, what their investment discipline is. You know, are they geared more toward value-oriented stocks or growth-oriented stocks? You know, clearly if it's if they're geared toward value-oriented stocks, then they're going to let that boat you know pass them by. Um, but obviously, for any growth-oriented investor who is continue to um, ride out, you know, Amazon and Netflix and, and companies of the same. Um, like you know, have done extremely well here, you know, through the years, and you know, I suppose the stock is really as worth as much as what the next person is willing to pay for it. But at some point, um, you, you know, you you do you, you hit a point where uh, people aren't as willing to pay up as they they once were, and when you have a really crowded ownership position, uh, that's when you see things, you know get disruptive here. Um, and, and you can see uh, material losses in a short amount of time that catch everyone by surprise, which is really what we saw a few weeks ago when you had a collective de-risking in the equity market uh, in some very you know crowded trades, particularly that short volatility trade.
2: Anything else that you're working on right now, Mr. O'Hare, that you think we should be informed of?
4: Well, you know, Fed Chairman Powell is is out, you know, speaking as we speak right now uh, to the House Financial Services Committee giving a semi-annual monetary policy report. Um, So I'm, you know, keeping tabs on that and most likely will be, you know, the topic of this week's big picture just simply doing a review of of what he says, uh, primarily because it's important since this is his first presentation as Fed chairman uh, for the market to be aware of. And, obviously, what we talked about, the Fed's going to be a focal point all year long. And, you know, we might as well uh, start focusing on things today, certainly, given that this is his first go-around in front of Congress. Uh, and he'll be the one we'll be hearing from for uh, for several years now.
2: It's good to know. It's good to know. Anything on your big picture column that you're working for this week? No.
4: Well, that will probably be most of uh, what, what the big picture column Thank will you. be oriented around is Fed policy and what we heard this week from yeah. Mr. Powell.
2: Yeah, it's kind of the year of Fed policy, isn't it? It's kind of the year of what's, what? <laughs> how does the market react when the 10-year hits three.
4: Yeah, that's not what I'm policy, but central bank policy, right? So we also have to take account what the ECB and the Bank of Japan are also going to be up to this year. And so that's a really important dynamic as well, uh, running alongside with the, what the Federal Reserve is going to be doing. <laughs>
2: We sound great. Your information is solid. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Uh, he writes page one. I start my morning every day with it. He covers, in a well-written, entertaining fashion, he covers everything you need to be aware of in this market setup. Uh, it's good stuff. You can find out more at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. Take a break here. I'll be right back. Find me online at robloxshow.com. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black.
2: Today is the day to end all days. February 27th, look at your calendars. It's National Pancake Day. Woo-hoo! At the International House of Pancakes 13th Annual National Pancake Day, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., participating restaurants are giving away free short stacks of buttermilk pancakes. Selected locations have extended hours all the way to 10 p.m. The dine in only deal is limited to one short stack per person while supplies last. Short stack usually cost five dollars and seventy nine cents. That's a pretty good amount of carbs. Get in um, my belly. And if you go and eat, they're going to donate money to the Children's Miracle Network, Hospitals Leukemia and Lymphoma uh, Society. So, if pancakes are your thing. IHOP's your 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 play today. So, you know that obviously plays right back into why companies like. Apple are saying that we want to have clinics inside our offices to to help our employees because they just ate a stack of pancakes with goop on top. So sugary goop, that is. So why would someone like Apple want to invest in health? Health problems result in 69 million workers reporting missed days each year, reducing economic output by 260 billion per year. That could be a large part of it could also be, you know, employees want it. A couple of years ago, I was speaking at Visa, and the millennials, all they wanted was, they heard that Google gave away sushi at lunch, and they wanted that. Um, even though Visa had some pretty nice perks, and they were, you know, uh, giving their employees tied towards their 401ks. But uh, I'll take sushi, please. So the White House cut a big deal with Boeing for... $3.9 billion for two new Air Force Ones. $3.9 billion for two new planes. Um, wow. We had to make the move, and we decided to make the move. I'll, I'll say that one one more time. Um, $3.9 billion for two new Air Force Ones. I'm starting to think the president shouldn't travel. I think he should just stay in his office all day long and work. Trump has reached an informal deal with Boeing on a fixed-price contract for the new Air Force One program. The White House is out there saying, thanks to the president's negotiations, he's saving taxpayers $1.4 billion. But I'm stuck on that two planes $3.9 billion number. I know what's good and bad. Do you remember way back in December 6, 2016, when Trump t- texted Boeing's building a brand-new 747 Air Force One for future presidents, but costs are out of control? More than four billion dollars cancel order, and he's getting two. Wow! Just be quiet. (laughs) So I want to sound like a like I'm nagging. Nag, 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 nag. That's all I. You are
3: fake news. Fake news. Ah. Fake news.
2: It's kind of cool to be called fake news. I'm not sure if you're with me or against me on that one, but it feels kind of good. Um, other stories out there, Microsoft is planning to build quantum computers, the theory of which contemplates particles existing in more than one state at once. Um, so that's out there. Uh, if Microsoft can pull off quantum computing, it could be the promise of, you know, um, Satya Nadelli, the CEO of the company who four years ago said that could happen. So tell me that, you know, there is still innovation out there at and T's in the news today. Um, yeah, they have a proposed acquisition time Warner and it remains on hold. And because of that kind of this, both stocks are kind of going nowhere. Um, worthy of note, the Amazon president, chairman and chief executive Jeff Bezos received an ultimate accolade when Warren Buffett took his hat off to him yesterday or over the weekend talking about, um, the amazing managerial talent of Jeff Bezos. So he himself, Warren Buffett, said he blew it by not investing in Amazon. And uh, that's out there. So some of the stock talk stories out there. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So Starbucks is doing everything they can to get the lunchtime eater in and the dinnertime drinker in. And... So those are the big things that they need to kind of they need to stop being just a morning company. So pay attention to what brands they're they're pushing and what sort of products they're pushing. Uh, I think you can figure out a lot just by watching what they're trying to do. You can figure out a lot of what's going on in retail because they have top management. Um, Amazon, always in the news. Will they be the first company to hit one trillion dollars, or will it be Apple? Or will it be Google? It's going to be one of them, right? Fitbit crashes 12%. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please. Be careful on the Rokus and the Fitbits. The people who are competing with the established players of streaming. Shares of wearables pioneer Fitbit are down 12% today. Um, smartwatches are taken over from the fitness tracker. So the Pure Fitness Tracker feels to me like the PDA, the personal digital assistant. you know, the back in the days of the Palm Pilot. Not public display of affection. Um, But Apple's watch is taking a chunk of sales away from Fitbit. Chunks and chunks. I would not hope for a turnaround or a dead cat bounce. I would be... That's one that I just don't want to play. Again, if, if if you're messing with King Kong, he will punch you in the face at some point in time. Whether that King Kong be Amazon... Or that King Kong be Apple. You can find me online at Robblack Show.com, I always have seminars coming up. You can go to dot Show.com. Look for the seminars coming up and use the code Radio Twenty Five to get in for free. This is Stock Talk Talk Rob Black.